When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we are back here again today recapping the primetime games the Sunday night and the Monday night game, along with going over a waiver wire report for you guys today, heading into week 15. Now, obviously, with the waiver wire report, it's not going to be the end-all, be-all. It's not going to make or break your weeks, but I have a few guys on this list, I think could be interesting names for this week, maybe even next week as well, depending on what your situations are. But most importantly, if you're listening to the show, most likely you're about to move on into the next round of your playoffs. Now, I truly appreciate it for those of you who are listening to the show because you truly enjoy it and the fact that maybe you're listening to it even if you got knocked out of the playoffs. But hopefully, as part of MD Nation, we've been able to help you, steer you in the right direction to be on your way to championship contenders. We're entering the second round pretty soon after we recap this game. We'll be talking about the preview matchups on Week 15 for that round on Thursdays and Fridays from 12 to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network for Android or WWSRN for iOS. So I was thinking today that I wanted to come up with something witty and snappy for the intro, but honestly... 
This show is about business. This show is about making you a smarter fantasy football player. So that's why I don't have these big, long intros like a lot of other shows do. That's why we get down to the brass tacks, and we get down to content. Most importantly, content to help you win. Content to make you smarter. Not just for this week, but for next year as well. And we'll be doing that all throughout the offseason. We usually go on a little bit of a hiatus, and I haven't talked about this yet, on what our offseason program is going to be, sort of speak. Normally speaking, I'll go on a little bit of a hiatus once week 17 ends. I'll come back in March after the free agency. We'll start talking about the fantasy impact of the free agent moves. We'll start talking about the draft. And that's going to be no different than this year. We're going to do our draft videos that if you ever hit us up on YouTube or at Belly of MDFF Show on Facebook or Twitter, that we'll post those out there. Some We break down some of the top draft prospects that are going to have some dynasty value. And we'll also talk about the guys that we think might actually have some redraft value heading into the next year. None of that's going to change. Normally speaking, once March hits, we do one episode a week. And then we'll eventually ramp it up into two episodes a week come sometime late July, early August. And we'll do two episodes a week all the way until the following year in September. We're back to four episodes a week again. None of that's going to change. There will be always new and exciting stuff. I'm always looking to add to the show. I'm always looking to get better at the information Get better at the process, so that way I can help you, those of you who listen to this show, those of you who watch this show, get better fantasy football players. Get more championships. That's what it's all about. Every year, I'm improving, so that way I can help you guys improve as well. It's about reinventing. So while the schedule may stay the same, I'm very excited for the offseason. I look forward to the offseason. I know we're right in the middle of playoff time and championship time, and I know it's a weird thing to talk about and and say as a fantasy football expert because this is the most exciting time of the year right now is when we're leading into our championship pathways, and that's true. But on a show like this where it's a little bit shorter, normally speaking, because we only do a couple of recaps and a waiver wire report, and it isn't going to be as extensive as it normally would be during the regular part of the fantasy football season, I think it's a good time to talk about what exactly the future of the MD's fantasy football show is going to be, what you have to look forward to. Now remember, all throughout the offseason, we keep you up to date on all the player news. When, the, when, the, when those free agents hit, we're keeping you up to date all the way through. That doesn't stop all the way through the year. So there's a big reason to keep following us at Belly Up MDFF Show, especially on Twitter, we get those player news notifications at. So while the schedule may stay the same, there will be new things coming down the pipe heading into our third year. Because this, this was our second year. We'll be heading into our third year next year. As a show. And that's only been made possible by you guys here at MD Nation. So again, I thank you for staying with us all season long. And I thank you for coming in now. And I will thank you again when we come back in the offseason. But now that's all out of the way. Let's talk about that Sunday night game. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Talk about the Buffalo Bills. We got to start on the Steelers side of the ball. They lose this game 15-26. to and offensively, never got going. Now, I do want to mention this. This Buffalo Bills defense is for real. They haven't really been healthy at all this entire season. They finally just got healthy, especially with Milano back, over the past couple of weeks. And you've seen a different Bills defense as a result of that. They played excellent in this game. And if you have a matchup with one of your fantasy players going against the Buffalo Bills in the next couple of weeks, 
It's something you're going to have to take in consideration. You might have to limit the ceiling expectation you have for that said player. Because this Bills defense is looking like it was a year ago, which makes them a scary team down the stretch. But something to kind of keep in mind over these next two weeks now. Where the Bills before were a defense for most of this year that you weren't really fearful of. It wasn't necessarily a plus matchup, but you weren't fearful of it either. Now you might be to some degree. You might have to be. The Steelers certainly were. Of course, we had to lead it away with Deontay Johnson essentially getting benched for the majority of the first half. Now, he did come back in the second half. He finished with four catches, 40 yards on seven targets. And even though he missed almost an entire half of football, he still tied with Juju Smith-Schuster for the most targets on the team. A lot of people are trying to give Mike Tomlin some credit over the past day for quote-unquote sticking to his word that if guys continue to drop the ball, that he would find somebody who could. However, Deontay Johnson is your best player. And now, with two losses, you went from being undefeated two weeks later to now being the second seed in the AFC. With the Bills now breathing down your back at 10-3. and three. There's only one bye this year. You want to keep a chance to stay with the Kansas City Chiefs? You're going to have to continue to try to win these games as if it's a playoff matchup. Because that bye is going to give whoever, whatever team winds up with that bye a hell of an advantage. And the Steelers need that advantage right now because they look like a team that is worn down. I thought maybe, maybe, after losing that game to Washington, that some of the pressure of going undefeated would be off their back. And they might play a little bit looser. They might play a little bit more aggressive. They did not. They came out with the same old game plan they've had for the last few weeks now that has essentially made their offense not very good. 15 points in this game. They only had 17 against Washington the week before. This offense hasn't put up a lot of points. The receivers have been fine from a fantasy standpoint for the most part because there's been so much volume that they've been able to provide high floors. And when one of them scores a touchdown, then they finish the week as a wide receiver too. So we've kind of gotten lost in the fact that the Steelers' offense as a whole has not been very good because the receivers you're depending upon have delivered when you need them to. Not huge performances, obviously, but performances that have kept you consistent from a week-to-week basis. Because the volume has just been there. It was there again in this game. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger still threw the ball 37 times, and that's actually a bit low for the past month for him. Now, next week they play the Cincinnati Bengals, so things will get a lot easier. And if there was ever a game for the Steelers to get right on, it would be that game. Now, I think it's a shame that that game is the Monday night game, I believe, next week. Because that's, unless you got fantasy football purposes, or unless you're a Steelers fan, I don't know who's watching that Monday night game. But they're going to have to try to take the opportunity to get right. One of the things they're going to have to try to get right on is their rushing. James Conner only had 10 carries in this game. Now, this was never a blowout. It was never a blowout. And yet, they still will not get the running game going. They still refuse to have Ben Roethlisberger set up under center. That's a problem. James Conner is a guy who I think would thrive, or at least be more efficient, if he was allowed to be under center, maybe even have a lead blocker in front of him from time to time. He's not a scat back. He's not a LaShawn McCoy type back in his day. 
He's not a guy to get out on the outside zone and make a bunch of people miss with his shiftiness and his speed. He's an efficient runner. He's a downhill runner. He's a one-cut and get north and south runner. It's hard to be successful with that style if you're asked to always do it at a shotgun. Not to mention this offensive line is not good. They don't get a push. And Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball quickly is the reason why he doesn't get sacked. It's not the offensive line. And you saw in this game, the Bills exposed this Steelers defense, this Steelers offense, I should say, on national television. The Washington game, you know, they were they were banged up. They didn't have Connor in that game. Washington's defense was starting to really take it to the next level. They hadn't lost the game yet. I think we were willing to kind of forgive them on that one. It was more about seeing how they responded against Buffalo this week. And they look like the same old pathetic offense that we've seen a lot as of late. It wasn't good. Roethlisberger went 187 for two touchdowns and two picks, 21 of 37 in his past completions. Juju Smith-Schuster has six catches, 55 yards, a touchdown, seven targets. He was fine. He was fine. And he's this is a great example. Schuster's stat line is a great example of what I'm talking about. Six catches, 55 yards, a touchdown. At the end of the day, no matter what scoring format you're in, you're not going to complain about that performance. So you don't worry about it. You don't think about the Steelers' offense not being very good because you got a solid performance out of somebody. Deontay Johnson, four catches, 40 yards. That's one of his worst performances, and he didn't play most of the first half. And yet, it still was second best on the team. Chase Claypool, I told you guys he was not a must-start for me. Three catches, 15 yards on six targets. James Washington, when he came in for Deontay Johnson, wound up scoring the other touchdown. Three catches, 29 yards, six targets as well. When Deontay Johnson finally came back in in the second half, they went back to Washington Claypool kind of alternating there in the third receiver spot, which just furthers my point of why I'm not trusting Claypool right now anymore. I mean, we got to see a couple things. Not only do we have to see Claypool get back to dominating over James Washington and snap count like he should, the other thing we got to see, we got to see the Steelers' offense actually be the Steelers' offense. For the amount of talent that they have with Schuster and Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, and I don't care what you think about James Conner, he is still a solid back in the NFL. You have Ben Roethlisberger, supposed to be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. You have entirely too much talent to have this mediocre of an offense. Now again... When we talk about the preview show on, this will be on Friday because it will be the Monday night game. I can already tell you without having the rankings done yet, which they will be done on BellyUpFantasySports.com usually by Wednesday night. The first draft anyway, they'll get updated throughout the weekend. I can already tell you that I'm probably going to suggest playing every single Steeler. And Ben Roethlisberger probably will be a streaming option at the quarterback position. Why? Because it's Cincinnati. They better take that opportunity to get right. Because otherwise, it's a downhill, slippery slope all the way through the playoffs. And they're going from a team that was undefeated to looking like a team that might be out in the first round. Unless something starts to click. they got to become more balanced. But James Conner getting 10 carries in a close game is not going to cut it. And I wish I could say that this was just one of those games. But frankly, this game is an example of of a lot of other games leading up to this point. 
It wasn't just that this was James Conner's first game back from COVID. He hasn't had an impressive stat line since week eight. That's the problem. Will you continue to play Deontay Johnson? Yes. Will you continue to play Juju Smith-Schuster? Yes. But those might be the only two must-plays I have when it comes to the Steelers. James Conner? Outside the fact that they're playing Cincinnati next week, I keep harping on that because my value for where these players are and where they'll be next week are two different things. Because they're playing against Cincinnati, everybody will be fantasy relevant still. But if they're playing anybody besides Cincinnati next week, they're playing, let's say, let's say anybody else in the AFC North. They're playing the Browns, they're playing the Ravens next week. Johnson and Smith-Schuster would be the only two players I would be playing. Everybody else would not be must-plays. And I would tell you that you're better off having them on the bench. That includes a starting running back in James Conner. I mean, that's where we're at with this offense. But they get the potential for a rebound game next week. Is it going to be a little bit shaky, being that it's a playoff game, to trust it? Sure. But we'll dive into that and more in the preview shows on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network from 12 to 1, 1.30. That game in particular will be on Friday. Let's talk about the Buffalo side of the ball, where as a team, they were very impressive. As a team, they were excellent. And if you stuck with Stephon Diggs, and I don't see why you wouldn't have, because he's been having a, he has had a hell of a floor every single week, even in tough matchups. You got rewarded big time when you needed it most. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Stephon Diggs comes through with 10 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown on 14 targets. He was the man. He's been the man every single week, but he hasn't had a huge stat line in a while. He's been getting 80 to 90 yards, you know, six to eight catches. Hasn't really scored much, though. It's been solid. Ten catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown when he needed the most? Priceless. Priceless. And he's been great all year. Josh Allen really didn't have that great of a fantasy day. 238 yards, two touchdowns, a pick. Tacked on 28 yards on the ground. He's still... From a fantasy standpoint, while he played very well from an NFL standpoint, from a fantasy standpoint, outside of the game last week against San Francisco, he's been in this similar mold five out of the last six games as a Kyler Murray, as a Russell Wilson. Guys that were top three, top five at the very least, out of the three of them, in the beginning of the season for a large stretch there, about until the halfway point, and then have fallen off to be still in the top 12, but not in the top 5, not in the top 6. Like I said, other than last week against San Francisco where Josh Allen blew up, last 5 out of 6 games, he's been in that same mold with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson where they've fallen off in their fantasy production. You have to continue to play them. They're still in the top 12 of quarterbacks. But those ceiling games just don't seem to be at there quite as much. And if you go back to my previous note, before we first dove into this game, which was the Buffalo Bills defense getting back to being more of the Buffalo Bills defense that we saw a year ago. That's going to lead to Josh Allen not having as many impressive fantasy performances because the pressure's not going to be on his shoulders to win the game like it was in the beginning of the year. This is going to be a complete team effort now where the defense is going to be able to get some stops. They're going to be able to lean on them for a little bit, making the offenses essentially when that happens. And I don't understand why this happens. Because I don't understand why you take away from your high-scoring offense when your defense starts to play better. It doesn't make any sense to me. But 
It does tend to happen, and offenses tend to get more conservative as a result. Again, you're not benching Josh Allen, but I don't know if he suddenly turns the corner in the next two weeks during your championship run to be back to being that top three guy. We'll preview it. We'll look at the matchups. We'll see what the situation is. You're still going to play him, but you might have to limit your ceiling expectations. Zach Moss outcarried Devin Singletary in this game. Not surprised. We knew that the fumble benching that he had a week ago was only going to be for that game because every time the running backs always come back the following week with the normal workload that they would get. At the end of the day, I'm still, I don't want to play a Buffalo Bills running back if I can at all help it. I mean, at the end of the day, they're not even RB3s. They're not involved in the passing game, and neither one of them gets the 15 carries with any consistency. And actually, I don't think either one of them's gotten the 15 carries in a while, frankly. Cole Beasley had 10 targets in this game, 5 catches, 41 yards. Here's the thing. John Brown got activated from the IR. He is expected to come back and play this week. If that happens, Cole Beasley's, you know, fantasy ability goes down the tubes. Now, not that you're, you're itching and scratching to play him to begin with, but a guy who had to be considered a wide receiver three on a week-to-week basis while John Brown's been out. John Brown comes back into the game plan, and he's a full, he's a full go at practice this week, and he's ready to come back and play. Well, then bye-bye Cole Beasley's work, uh, workload. He'll take, a, he'll take a back seat. So when it comes to the Bills, and you start to look through the list, and you start to look through the guys, and you start thinking about your fantasy football playoffs and who you're going to trust to play, you're playing Josh Allen, you're playing Stephon Diggs. I don't know if I'm playing another Buffalo Bills player over the next two weeks either. That wraps it up for the Sunday night game. Now we got to talk about another AFC North, total AFC North matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. And this had to be the game of the year. I mean, we had everything you could ask for in this game. We had drama. We had comebacks. We had high scoring. We had fantasy points. We had Lamar Jackson inexplicably leaving the game at one of the most crucial points for cramp issues and was out for a long time in the locker room, I assume getting hooked up to an IV line. I have absolutely no idea. I've never seen a player take that long to come back from cramps before in my life, especially in that crucial part of the game. And then Trace McSorley comes in, and he gets hurt. And then Lamar Jackson has to come running back out on a 4th and 4 and then throws a 44-yard strike to Marquise Brown for the what we thought was going to be the game-winning touchdown then. And then Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield comes right back down the field. And they score. And then the Ravens are still, with seconds left on the clock, able to come back down the field and get to a 55-yard game-winning field goal by Justin Tucker. This game was insane. And I gotta say, I'm gonna say this before we get into the actual fantasy minutia of it all, which there's a lot of. What happened to the defenses in the fourth quarter? In those last ten minutes of that game, the defenses flat out stopped playing on both sides. The Ravens and the Browns. They both just flat out stopped playing. The offenses could do no wrong. This was the game of the year. It was the most insane finish of the year. What a Monday night game. This is what happens when you have two good matchups. Two good teams. We'll start on the Cleveland side of the ball since they wound up being the losers in this matchup. But really, I think everybody was a winner. And even the Cleveland Browns. I mean, 
I know the Baltimore Ravens just seem to have that mental edge where they cannot get that monkey off their back, but hey, it was a lot closer than it was week one. And the Browns look as every good of a playoff team as the Baltimore Ravens. And this was a statement game by the Ravens. So I just can't go on and on about this game. I mean, the, the the Baltimore Ravens, this was a statement game for them. Not only were their playoff hopes on, on the line here, but it showed that they can win in a game like this. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. They can come back. They are a true playoff team if Lamar Jackson just stays true to himself. But let, let's let's get into the fantasy minutia of the Cleveland Browns. And I want to start off with Baker Mayfield. While he still has not been a guy that we wanted to stream in this game, and there, there's no way there's that many teams out there that played Baker Mayfield, this is the second good game in the road he's had. 28-47, 343 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. And he also tacked on a rushing touchdown in this game with 23 yards on the ground. But his stat line, his fantasy line, wasn't the story in this game. The story of this game was that Baker Mayfield came to play. And this was the first game, I really think, all season long where they played against an opponent that was clearly a great, I mean, it's a good defense in Baltimore. They didn't play like it tonight at the end, but it's a good defense in Baltimore. And he played really well. He hasn't played well against good teams really for the past couple of years. We've seen him flash against bad teams when the running game has taken control. We haven't seen him against good teams. And he did it in this one. It was incredible. Nick Chubb, if you're, if you're hoping that Nick Chubb was going to be able to somehow give you an RB1 performance against the Baltimore Ravens, he delivered. 17 carries, 82 yards, two rushing touchdowns, tacked on two catches for 21 yards. Kareem Hunt, the guy who's been on a cold streak coming into this game, had him ranked as an RB3 because of the Baltimore Ravens, and frankly, he just hasn't been that good for over a month now, comes in, has a rushing touchdown on 33 yards, only six carries compared to Nick Chubb's 17, but six catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets. He was the leading receiver in yards in this game. Kareem Hunt came through for you if you had to stick with him. I mean, it was incredible. Rashad Higgins, six catches, 68 yards, a touchdown on 10 targets. Jarvis Landry, six catches, 52 yards on nine targets. They all came to play. Now, as far as the pass catchers go, Jarvis Landry is still the only wide receiver that I'm going to play on the Cleveland Browns. But both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt coming through for you in this matchup Man, oh man. They got the Giants next week. It's another tough defense. But now, they're going to have to get over this one in a hurry. They got six days to do it. I know this is going to be an emotional loss. And a lot of times when you have emotional games like this, both teams, whether you're on the winning or losing side of it, can come out a little flat the following week. But the Browns are going to have to shake that off. Because now you have the Ravens breathing down your neck and making things for the wild card a little cloudier. We're looking like a bona fide playoff team. Not to mention, you have the Steelers, who don't look very good right now at 11-2, and 
The division is not out of the question with three games still left. So they're going to have to shake this off in a hurry. From a fantasy standpoint, I'm still trusting Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Jarvis Landry. Baker Mayfield will probably remain outside of my streaming territory. We'll have to see. i got to go through the rankings and all, and all the numbers and everything like that. Two good games, even though as impressive as this game was. And it was very impressive. And he's playing with confidence right now. It's not going to make it enough for me to suddenly play Baker Mayfield in my starting lineup in my fantasy football playoffs. We talk about this all the time on this show. Do not overreact to one game. Now, I know in this case you're going to say, it's well, it's two games. But you're not going to overreact to it. Baker Mayfield, typically speaking, if the Browns game goes the way they want to, they're not going to throw it a ton. It will be Mayfield back down to 25 attempts in the game. And that's just too low of a ceiling more times than not for a quarterback, especially one that doesn't typically run. He threw the ball 47 times in this game. You have to throw out, as far as the volume goes in this game, out of here. And the first three quarters, this game went as expected. It was going to be whoever ran the ball the best. It was until the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, both these passing attacks came wide open. Now you go to the Ravens side of the ball, I'm going to need some clarification on what kind of cramps was Lamar Jackson dealing with because he was out there for a while. He was in he was in the locker room for a while. And I don't know how, I mean, clearly it was just cramps. It wasn't a hamstring or anything like that. It clearly was just cramps because when they needed him to come back in the game because they no longer had a quarterback because Trace McSorley went down with a bad knee injury it looked like, he came running right out there and played just fine the rest of that game. So I hydrate Lamar next time. And the Ravens are going to have to have some quarterback tryouts because right now they don't have a backup. RG3 still in the IR. Chase McSorley, that looked like a bad injury. I don't think he's going to be around to be a backup. So they're going to have to try out some guys to back up Lamar Jackson here moving forward. Lamar, you know, 163 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, but... 124 yards and two touchdowns on the ground in this one. Whew. Ooh, Nelly. J.K. Dobbins was the lead ball carrier on the day. He continues to play ahead of the other three. But Gus Edwards still gets mixed in. Now, Dobbins had 53 yards and a touchdown on the ground. While Edwards, seven carries to Dobbins is 13. But 49 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. He's actually the only running back who came away with a reception, one catch for four yards. The note here is that Mark Ingram, while he started the game in the first snap, I don't know if he came back in the game after that. At least I didn't really notice seeing him throughout the game after the very first play of the game because then J.K. came in and it was pretty much just a J.K. Edwards show. We know this already at this point that Ingram is the third guy in this man rotation. Now, when they play Jacksonville next week, I don't know if Ingram is going to go without touching the football, but it's definitely Dobbins and then Edwards. If I'm picking a Ravens running back to play, it'll be Dobbins. But it's still hard because it's still going to be a rotation. And it's really ultimately going to come down to which one of them winds up in the end zone. Now, in this game, they both did, and Edwards did twice. They're both flex plays. They're both RB3s next week. It would be nice if you got some clarity. It would be nice if you can go in one direction or another. But that's why we're probably going to talk about Gus Edwards in the waiver wire report. Just a little FYI, a little teaser for what's coming up in the show.
Mark Andrews, good to see him back. Five catches, 78 yards on six targets. He's an elite tight end. There's no doubt about it. Marquise Brown, he had three drops in this game. Three. Both him and Andrews tied for the most targets on the team at six. But if you played Brown, you were rewarded for your investment. Because ultimately, he gets the 44-yard touchdown, which is all you needed for a decent fantasy day. And that's the that's the compelling thing about Brown. It's three games in a row now Brown has scored a touchdown. And they haven't been pretty. They haven't been huge stat lines. But he's scoring. And this game was with Mark Andrews in the lineup. I don't think it's going to change my stance on Marquise Brown being more of a wide receiver three than anything else. And a boomer bust one at that. Because he could have easily busted out in this game had it not been for that late heroic play. But it's hard to ignore a receiver who scored the last three weeks in a row when you're looking at your fantasy playoffs. So he's going to enter that boomer bust category. But against Jacksonville, it's a game in which they might be able to dominate. But we'll get into more on that on Thursday's preview show. That's going to wrap it up for the primetime recaps. What a game this was. Game of the year in my book. And now it is time for the waiver wire report for week 15. So excited, so glad that we are moving on into the second round of the playoffs and starting to look ahead. Now again, and as you would suspect, I would think at this point, you're not going to find too many guys on the waiver wire that are going to change the makeup of your team. They're going to suddenly take you over the top. At this point, you're talking about playoff teams to begin with. You're not looking for that player to take you over the top. You might be looking for a player, however, to be that flex guy. You might need a plug-and-play. You might need somebody who you can utilize maybe the following week if you're starting to look ahead a little bit, like, oh, you know what, let me, let me see them making sure I'm just a little bit, at least a little bit prepared in case we move on to the championship week. Or even streaming quarterback, you're looking ahead and saying, who can I get a decent game out of? These are the things you're looking for, little tweaks to your roster construction at this point. And I wound up with a longer list of names than I thought I was going to, but I will say this. There's a quite a few names on here that are not guys that you're going to be spending fad budget on or a waiver priority on or rushing to the waiver wire to go get. There are names that, depending upon your situation, could be interesting to you based on what's happened out this past week. And names I'm talking about that fall into that mold are like Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden might be the number one wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins heading into Week 15 because we still haven't heard yet the exact nature of Devontae Parker's injury. You might hear it by the time you're listening to this show on Tuesday, and we'll keep you up to date as soon as we know on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And Jakeem Grant, he went down with a hamstring issue. He's considered week-to-week. So Lynn Bowden, who had seven targets in that game, Yesterday, after he came in, he might wind up being looked at as the number one wide receiver that they go to. Now, he'll still play the slot for the most part. We'll see a mixture of Matt Collins, and we still got to find out exactly what's going on with Mike Kosicki's injury as well, because we're not even exactly sure who the starting tight end's going to be. But he might be an interesting guy if you're in full-point PPR leagues because of what he might provide from a target standpoint. Because he could be the number one guy. Now, again, 
Not somebody who's going to change to make up your, your team. Not a guy that I'm plugging in there because I'm trying to take a shot with. But we'll have some value for you depending on what kind of situation you're in. Another guy who falls under that same category is Chad Hansen. He's only 2.8% owned on average throughout the major platforms. Chad Hansen had a 100-yard performance against the Colts a couple weeks ago. They're going to play the Colts again this week. And had seven catches for 56 yards and was the by far the head and shoulders lead targeted receiver this past week with Brandon Cooks out. Now, Brandon Cooks is expected back against the Colts, but this is a guy that has shown that they're going to utilize him pretty much in the replacement of Will Fuller. So another interesting name in the flex position, depending on what your situation is, and even though the Colts are not a good matchup, well, his first game as an NFL starting wide receiver was 100 yards against the Colts a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know how much that scares you now heading into that matchup. Again, not a guy that I'm falling over myself to go get, but a name of interesting value. And a name I'm going to keep in mind for DFS, too. But I'm coming to say that because he's been targeted quite a bit by Deshaun Watson. Jordan Atkins, he does make my list. He's only 5% owned. Again, streaming tight ends becomes a very tricky situation. And you might have to after losing Mike Kosicki this week. And I know Jordan Atkins hasn't had the stat line. You might be like, well, I'm sick and tired of you bringing up Jordan Atkins' name. However, and I talked about this in yesterday's show when we recapped this game, he should have had a touchdown. He was wide open in the corner of the end zone. It hit him in the chest. He lost in the sunlight. So his stat line would have looked much better. The targets have been there. I still have to utilize him in the red zone. He's a streaming he's in the streaming conversation. Without a doubt. Now this next guy I want to talk about has maybe a little bit more value than the other guys do. And that's Jeff Wilson Jr. Only about nine percent owned on average. While Raheem Moser did get more of the carries this past week, Jeff Wilson Jr. scored yet again and still got about forty five percent of the work. They're going up against the Dallas Cowboys next week. In that matchup, Mostert and Jeff Wilson could be looked at as possible RB2s, RB3s. In that matchup, they could both get a nice stat line. So that's where Jeff Wilson Jr. becomes a little bit interesting, depending if you're looking for a plug-and-place flex spot, depending on maybe if you suffered some injuries this past week. Jalen Hurts, less than 10% owned on average. He ran for 100 yards. You're a quarterback with the ability to run for 100 yards in a football game. Guess what? You're stream-worthy. The Eagles showed against the Saints, and if you could do it against the Saints, you could do it against pretty much anybody out there right now. They showed against the Saints that they are willing to build their entire game plan around Jalen Hurts and his leg usage. That's not going to stop. That's what you do when you have Jalen Hurts in the ballgame which means he doesn't have to have great days passing the football. He's just got to run, and I guarantee you he will. So he becomes a streaming option. He becomes a quarterback with a high floor the rest of the way because we would suspect that he will be the starter for the rest of the regular season. Gus Edwards. We talked about him in the recap show and his performance. They got Jacksonville next week. He's got as much value as a J.K. Dobbins heading into that matchup. He's an RB3. He's a flex play. If you need a plug-and-play guy. You're not going to feel great about it, but against Jacksonville, 
the entire Baltimore backfield could go off. Savant Ahmed. Now, this guy is very interesting to me, and I think this if I was going to have a priority pickup this week, he would probably be the one. And the reason is that because Miles Gaskin is such a tricky situation, because he got placed on the COVID reserve list for testing positive on Saturday, he's not eligible to come off that list until Saturday. Now, it doesn't mean that he won't play on Sunday, but it could mean that because he had to go the entire week without actually practicing and he's just getting off of COVID, if Savan Ahmed is able to get cleared for his shoulder this week, the Dolphins could decide to stick with him for this week. It's a possibility. And if he goes, he's shown that he can be a higher-end RB3 as well. So he becomes pretty interesting to me, and he's only 20% owned on average. He's out there. He's available. So an interesting add to me this week in replacement of Miles Gaskin for what could be a decent flex play. And Nelson Aguilar, 27% owned. Now, it's maddening to me that this guy seems to have all of his best performances in the toughest of matchups, and in the matchups you actually expect him to do something, he doesn't. But they got a game against the Chargers this week, which for wide receiver ones, the opposing team could be classified as a tough matchup. We just saw Calvin Ridley, who's, yes, a different class of wide receiver, but we just saw Calvin Ridley, who's going to be playing the same wide receiver one role for his team as Nelson Aguilar is going to be, have a very good game. Aguilar's another guy that I think, if you're plugging him in, he is somebody who I would view in that boomer bust light that I need to take a shot on with. Because he's made big plays, and he's been the pass receiver for this Raiders team, who they take those shots with this season. It hasn't been Henry Ruggs, it's been Nelson Aguilar. And he's gotten the targets to boot where he's getting enough opportunities where you feel confident that he'll be involved in the game plan. There is a floor to his, his game script, to his range of outcomes. So he's somebody who's interesting to me at 27% owned. Kiki Kuti, kind of hard to talk about the Texans and the Colts this week without bringing his name up after the performance he had two weeks ago. He's owned on 33% of, on average throughout the leagues out there. Kiki Kuti is somebody who you could, again, could plug and play as a wide receiver three, especially if you're in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. The slot receiver is how you attack the Colts. You saw that the first time around Houston played them. Now, I'm not expecting eight catches for 141 yards again. I'm not. However, I am expecting him to be the receiver who's more involved than the Brandon Cooks and should be, in theory, more involved than Chad Hansen. So he's somebody who's interesting to me. Another tight end streamer who I was actually shocked because of all the hype that he was getting was less than 50% owned on average. And that's Logan Thomas, 43%. I was, I was surprised it was less than 50. He's had two tough matchups. He did okay against the 49ers. He did great against the Steelers. Alex Smith, his injury is not expected to keep him out of this game. So as long as Alex Smith is in, there does seem to be a floor as far as the target share goes for Logan Thomas. So this is somebody who I think can, needs to still be considered in the streaming tight end area. And I would have him ahead of Jordan Atkins, of course, as well. Not a must play, but in the streaming territory. Last but not least for me on this list is Philip Lindsay. We don't know yet, and probably won't know until practice starts for these guys, the exact nature of the shoulder injury sustained by Melvin Gordon. 
We don't know yet if it's something that will actually keep him out of the game or not, but it is something to be kind of concerned about. The beat writers, the insiders, seem to have some concern about Melvin Gordon definitively being available this week. If that happens and all the carries then go to Philip Lindsay, you can expect to see Royce Freeman will still be involved in the passing game, but if Philip Lindsay's in a situation he's able to get all the carries, while he hasn't been great and while I question if he's really truly 100% healthy with the toe injury because he just doesn't look like himself at the moment, He's still somebody you're going to have to consider playing next week. Especially as an RB3, or maybe even an RB2, if he's getting all the carries. So, another guy less than 50% owned, I would check to see if he's available in your leagues, because he's another one who might be a lottery ticket heading into Week 15. So, I actually felt overall, this was a stronger waiver wire list than what we had going into the playoffs for Week 14, overall. You know, there a guy I didn't mention, Tim Patrick and I was debating whether I want to mention him or not because he's been on my waiver wire report pretty much every single week for the past, I want to say, six weeks now. Did score a touchdown this past game. 14% owned on average. Again, if there's a, a Broncos wide receiver that I'm going to own and play, it's Tim Patrick for me. I know KJ Handler just had the big game, but while he had two touchdowns, he also only had two catches. Tim Patrick gets the volume. He does have a habit of scoring. He's the one who seems to be able to go for 100 yards. He's the one who seems to be able to get the big plays. On a more consistent basis, I should say. So he's another guy who fun, kind of falls into that Lynn Bowden, Chad Hansen territory. And I would probably feel a little bit better about Patrick because he just has the, the larger body of work through the season of being able to perform at a wide receiver three, borderline wide receiver two level. And I'll be considering him a wide receiver three heading into next week, or at least that borderline wide receiver three area heading into next week. So another game, another name to kind of keep in mind, I would still rather have Nelson Aguilar over Tim Patrick if you have a choice between the two and you're looking for a flex wide receiver, let's say. But those are the names that I'm keeping my eyes on. I'd rather have a Kiki Kute than a Tim Patrick. But that would probably be it as far as his waiver report goes as I was ahead of him. I would have him number three at the wide receiver position. The only player on the list that I thought really has a chance to change teams would be if you're streaming quarterback and you get Jalen Hurts, who just showed off his legs this past week against the Saints. It's the only player that I think could change a lineup, a playoff team in a significant way if they've been streaming quarterbacks up until this point. Other than that, everybody else is a by-situation player as you prepare for your playoff matchups and continue to prepare with the MD's Fantasy Football Show on Thursday and Friday from 12 to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network because we'll be there. We'll be live. We'll be ready to help you guys out. Make sure you get yourselves on the mailbag. All you have to do to do that is contact us on social media, at BellyUpMDFFShow. Make sure the notifications on Twitter are up to date because we'll keep you up to date with the players. Make sure you're checking out the rankings on BellyUpFantasySports.com. That's going to do it for us today on the show. Everyone, again, just stay safe, stay happy, And we'll see you guys on Thursday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's winter time. 
when temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.